Welcome to Sequel Quest, the podcast that dares to imagine sequels to your favorite films and movie franchises. It's a journey into the realm of cinematic possibilities with your hosts, Adam, Jeff, Justin, and Jeremy. Let the adventure begin now. Well, hey there, everybody. We want to welcome you out to a very special episode of Sequel Quest. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we we have something kind of special for you today. It's a little bit different than uh, than our normal format, but before we jump into the action here, let's just get a hey, how you doing from the crew. Hey, it's Jeremy. Hey, it's Justin. Hey, it's Jeff. Hey, it's Adam. We are just having a great time uh, putting this show together for you each week, and we really appreciate you listening. Just guys, overall, how's the experience been for you so far? Anybody want to take that? I vote yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy I, I do wonder, because you've been our tech guru, and your voice sometimes gets drowned out by those of us that really like to talk, but how's the experience been for you with your background in podcasting? It's been pretty good. Like, definitely got some good flow on this show. What's everybody's favorite episode so far? What have you guys enjoyed uh, talking about the most or listening Three-peed. to? Threepeed. <laughs> yeah, Threepeed was pretty great. That, that was a, one that of the best. Great. I liked the Beetlejuice one. I mean, it's still nothing beats the, the the shock of Joe Piscopo as Sloth. But overall, I had a lot of fun with the Beetlejuice one. I actually had a lot more fun with the bloopers from The Dark Knight. <laughs> Wait, were the bloopers the two-minute-long introduction with all of the... Uh... No, 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 no. The Okay, so if you've not listened to the show all the way through... I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. Well, that montage was actually four and a half minutes to start off with. Wow. Dang. And, and I cut her down to two and a half, because that's all I wanted to cut out, because it's just awesome. There's three movies of one-liners to get in there, and I got in as many as I could. And that so sums up... The Dark Knight trilogy. Exactly. <laughs> so we have a blooper reel at the end of every show or most of the shows that happen right at the very end. Like we'll go through, we'll sign off, we'll have our little outro music. And then once the outro music is done, then there's like anywhere from like 20, 30 seconds of bloopers to like two, three minutes worth on some of the shows. So what do we're you, saying, all you really need to do is just scan to the end of the episode and listen to the yeah. bloopers. Do, do you put on, because I feel like in each episode we do at least five different versions of an outro. Um, do you put all, like, say, four that we don't use? No, no. I, I pick the best one. Sometimes I'll piece them together. Okay. That'll be for our special donation series down the line. <laughs> It'd just be <laughs> a blooper episode. episode. Two just, hours of bloopers. Yeah, nonstop cut footage from our episodes. That's right. To say for myself, I've been very, uh, I guess it makes sense when I think about it, but the thing that I was nervous about, and if anyone is on YouTube and wants to look up Rake Man, the Midnight Gardener, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Typically, uh, an Adam and Jeff collaboration tends to involve a lot of inside jokes that no one other than the two of us would actually get, and I've been very pleased that that hasn't happened. Now, with Justin and I, Justin doesn't remember any of the inside jokes that we had anyway. So, <laughs> Well, there's there's Joe Piscopo would be our our big uh, right, inside but it's joke. It's an inside joke that everybody's in on, not just Adam and I from back when we were in high school. That's true. <laughs> Justin wasn't here for that. So. Oh yeah. Not this guy. He'll just have to go back and listen to the Goonies episode. No. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, with that, I mean, obviously we're having some fun, and today we wanted to have a, a little something extra uh, to throw at you. 
you know, the whole point of this show really is, you know, obviously we, we love movies and we love the idea of sequels. So today we just wanted to kind of have a general discussion about some of our favorites and maybe some of the ones we're, we're not such big fans of that might be a little bit notorious in the world of uh, movie sequels. So we're, we're just all going to go around and have, a, have kind of a discussion, throw out our, uh, our concepts and ideas of what we've experienced in our movie watching. Justin, I'm just curious, why don't you start us off? What, what would you say is, is one of your favorite uh, sequels, most successful in your eyes? Uh, so I probably won't be the only one that brings this up, but um, I'm going to say The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, boom. Done. <laughs> I mean, because growing up, I mean, those were like over Thanksgiving, my grandmother told the story that she always tells in any holiday or any get together to other people if I'm in the room. Uh, my little boy, this is my grandmother's man voice, my little boy, uh, <laughs> used to, uh, he would watch Star Wars all the time, and then we'd go to see the movie, and he would just mouth the words through the whole movie, but she's not annoyed, but she could be annoyed, this is like my Jewish grandmother, it's that tone of like, it's cute that he did it, but it was through the whole movie, you know, kind of thing. And this uh, was you? This was me, yeah, wow. no, I talked through the whole movie, like I, as a kid, I was just like, I knew every word of dialogue, every like sound effect, probably, <laughs> um, and just like did the whole, I was in love with those movies and i know they did well i, I mean i i wasn't i wasn't paying attention to box office numbers back then but uh i'm assuming they did pretty well and uh they were just amazing took my imagination away took me away i was lost for an hour and a half two hours each time i watched them and the, those were the best i have the fondest memories of just sit in front of the TV or the movie theater, movie screen and just absorbed. Well, see now what, what I find interesting is like in my eyes, the star Wars, the original trilogy to me, it like, I don't even, it's almost like you don't even consider that a sequel. Like it is like empire is a right. sequel, you know, Jedi is a sequel, but it, it's one of those things where it's just like, it's just star Wars. It's, it's a saga and it just flows. And I think that the best sequels do that. Like, you don't see them as this standalone entity. You just see it as, oh, it was all one story. Well, totally. I, be I believe yeah. George Lucas, actually, that was his thing, was he wrote it all as one big movie, and when he was ready to present it, he was like, there's no way they're going to put this all as one movie. So he broke it out into three different parts. Well, and what's Smart interesting, man. too, is that, I mean, if you if you look at, you know, obviously, like, Empire Strikes Back comes up pretty much on every, like, top sequels movie list, if you ever yeah. come across that like it's just there and I, I when you look at maybe the reason why I, I think it's because they took so many chances with the characters in that and they took so like there were so many things that went in a, a darker direction but right. like but game changing direction like wow the story is going to be different from this point on we know that Vader is Luke's father or at least that doubt has been put in, in his mind you know Luke has lost a hand now he's part robot you know like there's all these different things uh, Han and Leia really cement their relationship just all these different pieces have now been put into place you're like wow you know I can't wait till the next one it wasn't right. again a repeat of the original and when way. I was a kid it was the third one it was Return of the Jedi that was like it's so amazing probably because of the Ewoks alone uh, just, oh my god the Ewoks <laughs> they're so cool but as an adult Empire Strikes Back takes over and for that very reason I mean if anybody's listened to the Dark Knight uh, episode like I love dark stuff and 
taking it in that direction like Adam was talking about really really gets me as a as a grown human being uh really just affects me and and I love that they did that with it and established all those things and then Return of the Jedi is just it's fun visually it's just really fun and lots of explosions <laughs> boom everything goes boom <laughs> and we eat more popcorn nice Jeff, what about you? Yeah, I'm kind of well. It's funny, like you mentioned, Adam. It's interesting in today's today's movie culture, partially because Star Wars started it. Of course, then it, it you know there wasn't that much of a idea of a trilogy until really I think uh, Peter Jackson brought it back with Lord of the Rings. But you're exactly right. Where it's so strange to compare something like Empire Strikes Back as a sequel because it's part of that larger story, that larger trilogy, as opposed to like a true sequel sequel that it's kind of its own story and singing its own song. And it's funny that to, in, in nowadays, anything that comes in a, in a movie, like three movies, we call it a trilogy. So like Dark Knight, for example, I wouldn't call you know those three movies a trilogy, one long story in the same way that Star, uh, Star Wars was or in the same way that Lord of the Rings was or anything like that. Right, um, right. So for me, if we're going to actually, like, at least what I would consider, because, again, if we're going to start talking about trilogies, that changes the entire conversation or overall arcing stories. But for me personally, what I love about a good sequel, I feel, is something that captures the heart, the, like, the thing that we loved about the original, but yet still sings its own song. Like, one of the ones that I think I love and hate is uh, Aliens, where Alien was such an awesome, brilliant, amazing movie, and then Aliens is a completely different thing. The first one is this like edge of your, your seat thriller, and the second one is this action where the Marines are shooting up aliens every chance that they get. And you love both of them for completely different reasons. And you can see how it's a continuation of the story, but it's you know a completely different thing. Um, for me personally, as, as, a, as a film buff, I'd be remiss if I didn't say almost unquestionably, well, that sounds very, very arrogant to say unquestionably, but all, it's hard to not talk about greatest sequels of all time. It's hard to not say Godfather 2. Like, Godfather 2 is exactly all of those things where it's such a unique story from the first Godfather movie and yet is still considered one of the greatest movies of all time. And that they took this this idea of this family and this mafia and they're like, let's throw in, like, the backstory and let's, let's introduce... Um, uh, De Niro and like let's do all of these different things you know it was brilliant sing a different song while keeping that same spirit of the original. well yeah like it's interesting because you know like Godfather 2 is like a prequel and a sequel simultaneously that that's right. that's what I find like really interesting about it is is they really they kind of gave it all to you and really if you didn't watch it obviously you don't nobody needs to watch Godfather Part Three okay that's unnecessary <laughs> unless you love punishment that's coming later in the yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that <laughs> later on but if you only watched Godfather Part Two you'd be fine the first one is I, is I a have classic, only seen but, Godfather Part Two yeah there we go it's all you need yeah. it's all you need you know like I, I feel like it, yeah so I would agree with that now. Uh, if I if I may jump in here, unless anybody else had any Go other Godfather no, comments here. Nope. <laughs> so for me, like obviously, like I I love what you're saying about what James Cameron does. Um, like, cause you know, when you take Aliens and he just gave it his totally his own spin to it. He said, "This is what I would have done with it," and made it amazing. But I I love movies uh, and sequels that 
that give us continuity and they focus on time has passed and this is what you know occurred for these characters. They did develop even when we weren't watching them. I love catching up. If, if anybody's listened to our Galaxy Quest episode, like obviously I love coming up with the scenarios. Okay, this is what they were doing. This is their their crazy life that you didn't see uh, off screen. The Walking Bread. That's right, the yes. Walking Bread. Absolutely. So good. But um, for me, like when it comes to sequels. Like absolutely, it's 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 really in my top you know three movies of all time. But Ghostbusters two for me, I was gonna say uh, you're wearing that shirt. I am wearing my Ghostbusters two T-shirt <laughs> at the moment in honor of the film. You know, a sequel should be a continuation and not a rehash of the original. And I think Ghostbusters two does that. Um, now, in some ways, you might say that it follows the same formula. You know, there's there's this world-threatening ghost, otherworldly creature who's possessing humans, and there's a giant walking creature that, you know, terrorizes the streets of New York to a certain extent in the climax. But really, if you look at it, it's the performances in this film are just... I mean, they're hilarious. Like, and they, it gives it its own vibe and its own feel that is different from the first one. It's like you still love the characters, but you see that they have changed. And like, I mean, Peter Vankman is now hosting World of the Psychic. Come on, that that is a classic segment, you know. <laughs> and you know, you catch up. Ray's got his occult bookstore, you know, and Egon's doing his research. You know, it's just like you love seeing, you know, where they ended up. And now um, the other part of it is to, there's really no, like so many sequels, I feel like they, they do a lot of callbacks or they do like a lot of like recreations of your favorite scenes, you know, from an old film. Yeah. Ghostbusters 2, again, doesn't do that. It really does take its own path. Now, for me, what makes it overall like the best, and if you guys remember this character, you can let me know, but Peter McNichol as Janos, as Dude, Dr. Janos Poha. <laughs> <laughs> he is like in all of cinema he's probably like my my maybe number two favorite character uh my number one will be revealed some other day but everything <laughs> he says just has me on the floor so so why are you came you know you know you're just like no no even when he's just like screaming at people you know they're like, johnny where are you from the upper west side you know just like everything he says is just yeah. funny um now he he played the boss on ally mcbeal like yeah, a few did. years later yeah. and i was so disappointed he had no accent but <laughs> <laughs> i even bought this this random sci-fi novel that he was narrating he was the one reading it and again no accent <laughs> I was so disappointed. If, if I could, if I was, you know, going to bring him back, Janos should have his own film, his own TV series, even. I think it'd be a great sitcom with Janos. <laughs> the um, new Ghostbusters sequel should be Janos and the Ghostbusters. That's what it's all about, right? Um, but, but also the other character who had an evolution in that is uh, Rick Moranis as Lewis Tully. Like, you know, oh, yeah. so you just kind of see him as this dorky health conscious accountant, you know, in the first one. Now he comes back and he's 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 their accountant, but then he also has to play their lawyer in the courtroom scene, you know, and he's just like he's, he's, and he's so a ghostbuster. Adept. Yeah. Then he becomes a ghostbuster at the end. I mean, like he ah. actually he has some exciting moments in that film and, he, and he's just just so funny. Like his relationship with Janine, it's actually sweet and ridiculous yeah, at the yes. same time well i had a roommate but my mom moved to florida you know like <laughs> just stuff like that 
And even like the villain, like Vigo, like like Gozer was an interesting, you know, villain in in the first one. But like Vigo is so menacing, you know, Vigo the Carpathian, you know, like he, you just look at him and you're like, you know, this guy is bad news. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. seriously, if my wife would not be creeped out by it, you can buy that painting. I would have that in our <laughs> oh own my God, to Adam, our Adam, home. No, I am not <laughs> that, your wife, and I say no. That would be hung wow. up in your nursery. For Absolutely. Your <laughs> Just teach oh, them fear at an early age. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I Ghostbusters to be like, it's just, there's, it has all original humor. It has an original story. And yet you still feel it's tied to the universe. And so for me, that's what makes it just one of those all time great sequels, even though it was really forgotten the year it came out. I mean, it had to compete yeah. with Batman and like and then, uh, Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I mean, it, kind of a scene is unnecessary at the time but i i just think it's awesome ah uh, you you guys have touched on some really great sequels toy story 2 oh nice. yeah oh, I agree. D- do i really need to say more on that, that, that uh, that's it it was a great follow-up to the original i don't want to talk about that one we've talked about some <laughs> of my other favorites we've talked about the dark knight already on these shows also i just spaced it i had another no, movie in my oh, mind toy story 2. wait what was toy story 2 about Toy Story 2 was the whole story of Woody gets he gets Woody. grabbed by a collector, right? Yes. And then he's right. then he and that's where we Jessie. meet his girlfriend. Well, I, she's not officially sister. his girlfriend. Yeah, sister, she's Fred, his girl. gal Yeah, pal. she's more into Buzz. She's into Buzz. Yeah. So Jeremy though, as a Toy Story fan, Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 3, which is the superior sequel? Oh, 2, 2, two. by far. 2 really? by far, yeah. Cuz Toy Story fans seem to go gaga over 3. Well, it's got heart. It's emotional, yeah, but it's not three, as fun. But that's the thing. Each of the sequels had a different feel to it, and yeah. they twisted your emotions differently. Like, two was an actual, it was it was kind of like a, a jailbreak type movie right. for toys. Mm-hmm. Three was... Uh, a jailbreak movie. <laughs> again, jailbreak, but it, it had a different feel to it in a way. Yeah, yeah. it was more about yeah, that end of childhood, that age. end of innocence, yeah. Oh, yes, I remember it. Okay, another of my favorite sequels, Granite Dark Knight was really good. Also, Spider-Man 2. Oh, yes. That From was the on original my list. trilogy, yeah. not the amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Oh, okay. 2. So with Doc Ock. Yes, Doc Ock. Alfred Molina. Really? You yes. liked Spider-Man Two? Yes. You didn't like it? I'm gonna disagree with you, man. I didn't like it. I, I don't. The thing is, I can't argue with you because I don't remember why I didn't like it. <laughs> I just remember. I remember really liking the first one and the second one, and holy crap, especially the third one. Well, yeah. Just not. And it's not that I hated. Spider-Man 2, I just wasn't as in love with it as I was the first one. And well, then the third one lost me. It was kind of like The Matrix. Like the Matrix was no, way yeah. worse. Oh. <laughs> the second one lost me and the third one made me want to murder. But, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but no, I, I would love to hear what you have to say about Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2, it's my favorite of the original Spider-Man trilogy. Like 3, as you said, we all got lost. They tried to do too much. Yeah, there was directorial issues. Uh, the director there was didn't... a dance scene. Yes, the emo <laughs> dance scene. But like two, it just really felt like they hit a lot of the good points from Spider-Man from the original, 
and then also like did things slightly different enough that you felt oh it's a different movie granted it's it's i don't know why doc ock would go rob banks to go work on a little lab off in the corner on the bay but there's plot holes but forgivable ones i would say right well well the great thing about it is because it moves at such a great pace because you're not the origin story was out of the way so they literally jump into Peter Parker's life as Spider-Man and trying right. to balance his life and his heroics and all of that. Like that's, that's why it was like the best of the Spider-Man movies because it really, it, you didn't have to worry about anything else. It's just like, this is how he is dealing with life as Spider-Man. Yeah. And then he, then he had the emotional connection. Alfred Merlina was so great before he became Doc Ock when he's just Otto Octavius that they have kind of their bonding moment over science and then he's trying to teach him about poetry and how to treat women and all of that, you know, like, so when he turns, you do feel that, you know, that. that yeah. And, and I see that with a lot of the superhero genre is the origin story. If it's really done well, it's probably going to be one of the better films of that franchise. Like yeah. Iron Man, I would have to say Iron Man is the the pinnacle there. And then it all kind of went downhill. Spider-Man was up there. Spider-Man 2 went up a little more. And then Spider-Man 3, we all had these high hopes for it, and it shot to the toilet. Dark Knight, we we talked about the, the mountain effect with that one. And then the one I really want to talk about, Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. There's, I yeah, mean, dude. that's that that, was that's one awesome. of those movies, just a, a complete tonal shift from the first one. Right. And only for the better, right? And I didn't like the first one. Right. There were a lot of people that didn't just because it felt out of place. And granted, that's kind of, uh, by the end of it, we all feel what Captain America was feeling, being out of time, a man out of time. So we were all kind of out of place on that and didn't feel like it was fully fleshed out on the origin story. But once once we had that and the Avengers and everything, like there was such a base, the only thing you could do with Cap was go up. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think like with the with the Winter Soldier too, they, they gave... Like they basically the first movie did did not set it up really well. Like you didn't really care about Bucky, even though he was going to be the character in the second one. But right. th they made up for it in the sequel. Like you still cared because they you know they had some new scenes they filmed showing them when they were you know yeah. when they knew each other before. And so like they they made up for the the lackadaisical nature of the first one. Uh, where it was just kind of like, ah, oh, we're going to throw this in here and throw this in here, and it's not really going to make a difference, seemingly. Yeah, it was more of just a backstory. It wasn't anything that was trying to connect too much to future plans. It was just, oh, we, we need to get a movie made for Captain America so people know who he is going into Avengers. Mm -hmm. The whole political thriller with Winter Soldier, I was floored like i got to go see it early and then i went back for midnight showing and took friends nice. with me and it was just i had a hard time keeping my mouth shut the four days in between the media premiere and going back with friends because i'm like dude like <laughs> this all makes sense like you gotta see this and then that and then oh and then like that actually salvaged the tv series agents of shield was the whole winter soldier movie that's true, yeah, because they they had that tie-in with uh, what was that? What's that agent's name? The bald guy, Coulson. No, no, not Coulson. I'm I'm talking. Well, you're right. You're right. Because obviously yes. that was, 
but but I'm, I'm talking about there was the guy who actually appeared on agents of shield and then remember they they throw him off the roof in winter oh, soldier yes <laughs> and i mean that that that's just great i'm trying to remember his character name yeah right now, I, but, I don't remember but like I, I thought yeah that was a great way to pull it all in now i have another one i want to throw out to you guys we, we had a brief mention of it on a previous episode but for me like tron legacy uh oh, yeah, yeah. is a great example of taking it in, in a way to me it's it's kind of similar to like terminator and terminator 2 where it's like you the first one was okay but like and it was c- kind of innovative for its time but then you just upped your game like technologically speaking years later with a sequel because Tron, you know, the original Tron. I don't know how many of you have have actually bothered to watch that film. But how dare you, sir? How dare <laughs> you already? I have seen it, and it's it's an amazing like for its time what they did. If like really that movie is not interesting. The characters are terrible. the The storyline is almost like nonsensical. You can't Blast really follow late. what's happening. No, no, we're done. No, <laughs> no, no, but no, if you watch, if you watch the making Death of, of featurette, the making of featurette is so, better than the first Tron film. Oh, as wrong, a film. Wrong, wrong. All right, no, de- no, defend no, it, no, Jeff. No, defend no. it. Show me what I you got admit, with Tron. Though, I do want to. I do want to agree with part of what you said, but it's interesting that, and it's kind of something that like we've dealt with on this show is that with Tron Legacy, not only do you have that part, like you're saying, with the technology being such a huge big jump, and because now I would say that Tron, the original Tron, is still impressive today because it's it still does things that you don't see on TV, don't see anymore. And what's even more impressive for me is that I think the storyline is even more advanced than the stories that we tell today. Because back then, it's talking about programs actually like... It's like you pull up Microsoft Word on your computer, you don't picture that this is actually a person named Word that lives in this, like... And that's who he's interacting with. We don't think on those levels because Hollywood doesn't tell those kind of stories. Wait, 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 wait. Didn't you have the little paperclip... Like I could have sworn the paperclip was named Word <laughs> in no, your, your Microsoft office. Oh. <laughs> but but like oh but, my but god. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but the other the other interesting thing though that I think w- that legacy brings up is that idea that very rarely are sequels, well, good sequels, made like decades after the original one came up because yeah. you just can't. I mean, it was the same thing with Tron. Like Tron was focused around Jeff uh, Jeff Bridges and um, uh, a Bruce Boxletter, and it's just like Bruce Boxletter is too old to be an action hero now. So it's just like your main character is. Uh, so what? Do you, how do you make a Tron sequel when Tron's too old? And that they found a way. Now, now this, I I, I will say that that where Tron Legacy does fail was the de aging and trying to do young Jeff Bridges <laughs> yeah. slash Clue. That did not work out well. However, I, I just watched a list that said that was one of the ten greatest re- things done. What? So. No, I mean, no where's where's this list from? I, as much as I love Trod Legacy, watch those Mojo. those scenes makes those scenes make me cringe when I watch when I see young Jeff Bridges at the beginning Wait, of the movie. Wait, did you and Clue did you see Ant Man? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So Mike Michael Douglas in yes. that that actually looks a little bit better though than Tron Legacy and they did it even better in X-Men La- the Last Stand with oh, with young true. Patrick Stewart and young you know so so that worked out but what i'm saying is just to get back to Jeff's point here so 
the original not that we need to debate tron versus tron legacy we should night, but but jeff what you brought up with tron i agree the, the technological stuff and the fact that it's old old uh processes they don't use anymore in film makes it a special film but the store like the characters you can't tell me you care about any of the characters in the tron movie in or outside of the computer the only character that is remotely of interest is ram and they kill him off he was the only one with personality and then he's dead like it like that that was sad i was like why'd you get rid of the only guy who was actually alive and seemed like you know someone you could care about which made sense that's why they killed him there was that moment you know the heart-wrenching but with tron legacy what they improved you know, and you can you can say whatever you will about Garrett Hedlund. He's not that awesome, but they at least had the father son story, and you you so you could relate on some level to this kid who his dad he thought left him, you know, and then now he's getting to reconnect with him. Like, there's really something there. The movie does still kind of slow down a little bit in the middle, and it's a, and it's a little too long. But I still think it's a major improvement over the first because of that reason. They at least gave you a story you could latch on to. I would say for me, though, the one thing, and I know this like this came up when we started talking about speed, is that to a certain extent, we do need to let, well, I mean, I guess we don't. We're the, you know, the viewers. But I believe that sometimes you need to let a movie be what it's going to be. Not every movie values having characters that you care about. I mean, like, like that's always been my critique of uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan, we watched guy after guy after guy die on the way to Saving Private Ryan. And I was like, when Vin Diesel died, I was like, who the heck was that? Oh, well, I guess he's dead now. Because the story never gave us any reason to care about him. And because that was not the point, that was not what they were trying to do. They didn't want to build up like all of these characters. They wanted to kind of show the the senseless nature of it. So with some of it, like I would say it is it I think it's actually maybe purposeful that the only character that seems real is a program named RAM that's accounting software. Like how crazy is it that the humans are somewhat stiff and the programs are the ones that are so lifelike? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Sure. I, I would I, I agree with you there at the point that with movies, the the point of every movie is not necessarily to make you care about the characters, but I, I think that the ones that really do well capture some kind of emotion, some kind of through line for at least one, if not more, of the characters and relationships in there. Because that's what I think drives people to see movies. But you're right that the point of every movie is not to draw you in emotionally. Some are just very spectacle-based and some, you know, they can go any direction they want with a movie. But I think, at least for me, and I think, I don't know, this might be quantifiable, a movie that is going to pull at your heartstrings and is going to allow you to relate to it is going to do better because more people are going to be drawn to that movie. Yeah, quite possible. And and it's funny because, like, as as much as I sound like I'm arguing against myself. I'm right with you, Adam, where that's one of my biggest things in movies that I enjoy. I need a character that I can relate to and that draws me in. I mean, that was the one thing I know, like, but I don't know if it is anymore, but for Justin, I know one of your favorite movies always used to be American Beauty. I couldn't stand American Beauty. It's one of my most hated... To this day, it is the only movie that I cannot finish watching. I have never (laughs) seen the end of it because I turn it off every time. It's a great ending. Exactly. Not a single one of those characters do I like. And I, so I can't watch it from that perspective. But there are other people that that's, that's not... I mean, there are, you know... 
that's not what they're going for. Right. And I think that that's, that's just like the old saying, a different strokes for different folks. You know, like some, some people won't relate to a certain movie because that's not something that they think about. Those themes aren't things that connect with them and, and the way they've lived their life so far, which is fine. Different people experience different things in their lives and that's, that's art, you know. Um, but, uh, but yes, American Beauty is still one of my favorite movies along with Fight Club, <laughs> which they didn't make a sequel for probably because, you know, the other guy died but uh, or didn't <laughs> exist ever. Exactly. Uh, so, spoilers. So now, now, I'm curious. To, so, so we're talking about, you know, obviously some of the ones that we love and the, what, some of the ones that make sense to us. We're like, wow, those are great sequels. They did it. What are no, some I know of where you're ones? going with this, yeah. and I'm just going to throw in Dumb and right. Dumber 2. Ooh. Wait, 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 wait. Dumb, wait. Dumb yeah, when, uh, when Harry both? met Lloyd, yeah. I've never seen I've never seen the one with that where they're younger. But I did watch the first ten minutes. I kid you not, only wow. the first ten minutes of the sequel, and oh my lord! So in other words, you got the catheter joke, and that was your out. Oh my no, the catheter joke that was fun. That was in the trailer, so I <laughs> knew that was coming. Every single other thing out of their every other turn of plot. Ev- oh my. I wanted to chop off my own foot. No, no, it, it, it needs to be said for people who don't know, Jeff and Justin have a special connection to Dumb and Dumber because in yeah. high school, they actually went to prom dressed as Harry and Lloyd in those tuxes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And Justin's date ruined that surprise oh, for my date by telling it. her. Oh. She hated it, man. She was like, you're doing what? She sounded just like that, by the like, way. Sorry. But Justin, what I mean, you're saying you didn't like it. What do you think was missing from Dumb and Dumber to Dumb and Dumberer? Uh, so for me, humor evolves, and the humor of that generation, that time, the original Dumb and Dumber worked. They did nothing. I feel like to update the humor and have it be funny for what is funny today and how jokes are told today and the speed, the pacing of a joke or the way it's revealed on screen, it was just lost. So it was like taking an old movie and remaking it exactly the same way. It's like when they did, um, uh, what was the, the Psycho? And they did it shot for shot and they remade it and it was like, cool. That that's an interesting idea, an interesting experiment, but it didn't do well and it didn't connect. And it was just like, well, I'm just gonna watch the old movie because then I get that like I I go into it knowing that I'm watching a movie that was made in whatever time whatever movie we're discussing is made. But for this one, I was just like, I they didn't it was they didn't do anything with it. It was just the same movie and I didn't find anything funny and the plot was fine kind of hokey I didn't really care about any characters it just it lost it on all fronts which is why I got 10 minutes through it and and just couldn't watch it anymore wow that's really interesting yeah I think one of the things too that's so interesting about bad sequels is that part of it is kind of it like like something like Dumb and Dumber where to at least you know some of our generation that was such a huge like iconic movie right that again justin and i and and thousands of others like us watched that movie over and over and over yeah. and could quote it 
endlessly have photos. Well, that's photos of us in the uniform. But the funny thing was, <laughs> we are by no means the first people that have gone to their proms in those those horrible suits. Right. Like it's it's it, it was iconic, especially for a period of time. And so to make a sequel for that, especially after time has passed, it's like. Oh, you're 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 setting yourself up for you know for disaster. Right. It was kind of like like when we did the speed episode and we were talking about speed and how like what a phenomenon speed was and it came out and it was so huge and it was so unexpected and it was so all of this and it's just trying to capture that lightning in a bottle a second time. It's like, good luck. Yeah, well, I've envied them and I do, like that must have been. I, I don't even un, I don't even know the process. I, I don't know them. <laughs> But uh, I don't know what they went through, but uh, yeah, I can't imagine trying to do that in any other way other than like, well, I guess we're going to try to just kind of do the same thing and see what happens. And well, that's and, what I feel like they did. Yeah, well, it, and it's it, like Dumb and Dumber, I do not believe anybody was, because it's so iconic, so perfect as it was, I don't think anybody expected or was anticipating a sequel. And so they just kind of dropped it on us. They're like, guess what? We're gonna do Dumb and Dumber again. You're like, wait, what? Like, yeah. like no, nobody was on board for that. I don't think. Well, yeah. it was it was kind of demanded for years, and then they just kind of kicked out that Dumb and Dumber er, and tainted it already. Soured all of our thoughts on the franchise, and then they're like, well, we have nothing else planned. So, can we get Harry and Lloyd to come back? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think too. My my and I didn't. Know, don't get me wrong. I didn't see all of uh, Dumb and Dumber. Um, but my feeling was they. I feel like they tried to do what you were saying, Justin, but did it very poorly. They were trying to update it. They were trying to give it a fresh look, and people absolutely hated it. They're like, no, yeah. no, no. What we loved about this, we love Jim Carrey. We love Jeff Daniels. We love their interaction. We love you know the campiness. And so they're like, okay, what if we just recycle the exact same thing again, and yeah, the magic was lost. The other thing it was too is that like when that movie came out, like Jim Carrey was king of the world. Like he was like every comedy, like you put his name on a comedy and it would in, in, immediately explode. Right. And so to put him in that kind of a movie, like we jumped at the chance even before it came out. Yeah. Well, and I think what happens with sequels too is, like I said, at least in my opinion, that was that was something that maybe people just at this point were now no longer interested in. There wasn't the anticipation. Sure. But what works against sequels so often is the anticipation because right. people are expecting something so great and so amazing, and then it doesn't work. Like for me, one of the one of the biggest examples of that is Mortal Kombat Annihilation, <laughs> which I call Mortal Kombat Abomination. Right. Because it is ridiculously terrible. That it, it, I mean, just think about it. The first movie was so simple. It's get some characters with attitude, have them fight each other for the fate of the world. Like, you know, that was that was the you know premise of the video game. And, right. And then but they what they managed to do was give the characters a little bit of personality. Now, at its core, the first Mortal Kombat film is cheesy and ridiculous and stupid. But yeah. but the characters are all entertaining. 
everybody, you know, from top to bottom, like they, they at least stand out and they have personality. And like, and you know, now for me, like I was a huge Bridget Wilson. I had a big crush on her at the time from Billy Madison. And then she, I was like, she's in Sony and she kicks, she kicks butt now. That's awesome. You know? So I saw that movie a lot in theaters, but, um, <laughs> and on home video. I'm catching a theme, by the way, just want to throw this in for Adam that like you, you had a crush on a lot of girls in the movies. And uh, Absolutely I mean, did. actually, you know what? Forget it. We all did. Yeah. Who right. did? Now that'll be another bonus episode. We'll go through our movie crushes but but <laughs> but, but the because of it though because i love that movie so much and there were so many memorable lines and characters that when they said they were doing a sequel like i was all on board because my mortal Kombat fever was running high i'd been playing mortal Kombat 3 in my friend's house after school every day and then like they did a live action stage show at that the pond of anaheim oh, and no. i actually went to go see that you know no. and, and so i was like oh yeah now they're doing another movie this is gonna be awesome and then i show up to the theater and like it picks up directly after the original so you're like great you know there it's continuity they're really they're really going to give us something excellent then they kill johnny cage off in the first five minutes lyndon ashby was the best part of that first movie to me like he was the most interesting you know of, of all of them and he actually had kind of an arc in the film um now the, what they did next was even worse is now Christopher Lam- Lambert, I believe is how you officially pronounce his <laughs> name. Um, yeah. <laughs> he he did not come back as Raiden, so they get James Remar, who I love the Warriors, but James Remar is no Raiden, okay? And he <laughs> and he comes in. I think he was trying to play the character like as Zen and all centered and wise, but he just comes off as like this lazy, tired old man you meet in a yoga class. <laughs> <laughs> you know like he's so he's just no energy i know that the guy <laughs> and then then the problem is after that like the rest of the cast is just you know you have fake sonia so fake sonia does you know she's like whatever she is but she's not bridget wilson and then um you go to uh surrounding Liu Kang with, you know, just these wooden, boring characters. So you have James Mirar's Raiden. You have uh, Katana, who is just this supermodel. She comes back from the first film, but who cares? She's like really, you know, just like blank faced. You don't care about her. And you see that Robin show is just does not have the the acting skills to carry a film and be a lead man. You're just like, oh dear. And then the only breath of fresh air is Jax, who the only reason you love him is because he's like yelling all his lines. Like he's like super like he's got the energy. He's into it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's excited to be there, but, (laughs) but the problem is if you're going to dump 75% of your cast from the first film, you better like, at least like the villain has got to be like some over the top, awesome character. And instead we get Vin Diesel's uglier cousin. You know, like if, if the, when I first saw him take off the helmet, this guy's the emperor. And like at the end of the first film, he's like this mutant, like reptile looking character. And then in this one, he's just like, yeah, Vin Diesel with a giant mouth. Wow. And I'm just like, and he's so boring. Like he's just, he's just sad to watch. And, and it made me, I was just like, why did they kill Shang Tsung in the original? Because, you know, I need, I need a villain who can come back, you know, give me lines like, you, whew. <laughs> you or at least next. an actor who can pull off yeah right. Kari Hiroyuki yeah. Tagawa I mean they should have had like Shang 
Shang Tsung's brother, you know, Tang Sung, you know, just like bring somebody, <laughs> somebody back. It would have been, couldn't have been any worse than the choices. Juice. Yeah, right. Tang Sung. That would have been a great promotional tie-in. Come on. <laughs> this episode brought to you by Tang. Tang. And Spam. <laughs> but like, and, and like all of, you know, and then you got, like, all, they brought in all these like villains from the game, you know, they brought in all these characters, but they were just like all like CGI boring monstrosities who just show up in like the sprawling fight scenes so they didn't yeah. like develop new characters and yeah. give you new interesting at least like villainous like to where they're they're threatening not nothing they just scowl a lot you know <laughs> the other one who was interesting is there's this gal who played queen sindel and you know she's just like going over the top like she's over the top like evil zombie witch whatever she is you know <laughs> and like and, you, and she had these great eyes you're like oh, okay so she's like hypnotizing you like she was great but and I, i'll just say as I, as I close out my tirade here I mean, I, I, I've given this movie multiple chances. I own the DVD. I've watched it again on Netflix recently. And You've seen this show on ice. Yeah, that's right. I saw <laughs> Mortal Kombat on ice. And like the only thing that ever got me excited to go back was the, the mud fight between Sonya and Molina. And even that <laughs> is nowhere near as exciting as I recall from my youth. <laughs> Uh, so there's like there's no saving grace in this film for me anymore, and I'm just like, ah, oh, it would have been so easy for you guys. And uh, yeah, just watching the mud fight scene. That's just all I needed. Oh, it's disappointing. Uh, can't hate think, you, man. I've been there. I think it does need to be said that Adam, you do realize the first movie was a bad movie, right? But you, you, but you it's, realized. He yeah, said that. You watched he said it that. to make fun of it. Exactly. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. But but uh, but at least I mean it, it it was it was at least competently acted on some sure. level. Uh, uh, well, uh, you know that can uh, be argued. Exactly. <laughs> Again, Christopher Lambert's lines, not poetry. No, no. Shang Tsung's lines were so bad that they were hilarious. Right. Yeah. But you're right, and I mean it's definitely the difference between. I will definitely agree. The first one was fun on a lot of different levels. Some of them good, but the second one was yeah, just pain. Yeah, there was just nothing, nothing for you. What about you, Hefe? What do you think? Oh, my goodness. There's such a long and undistinguished list. The one, what was it? I was just, oh, I know the one. The one that would be my, and it's it's on so many, like, top, top, or bottom lists of worst sequels, top, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> is uh, Highlander 2. It's always got to be, because I love, I so love the first Highlander. Actually, do you, no, Justin wouldn't remember. Adam, nope. I don't know if you remember, is that I remember, I feel like I was one of the first ones of us to get a DVD player. Maybe yes. that's just, I remember that in my mm -hmm. own mind. I was the first to get a Laserdisc. Well, yeah. Well, I'm just go. kidding. I never had a Laserdisc. Uh, <laughs> but I would bring all of my friends over to my house. I would hook up our stereo to our TV. Yep. And the beginning the first dvd i had was highlander and nice. the beginning was the thx the audience is listening and i would put that in just to show off that yeah. I had large well then you get here we are right i think i cut things. it off yeah like it was yeah. great through your speakers i just love that that was right. give us some queen you know but it's the thing about Highlander that, like, I I, I really, I don't want to say I necessarily love that movie, but, like, I guess I do. Where it's just, like, it's one of these movies that is just, like, so fresh and so unique. And it's just, like, the storyline of this, this mysterious, like, group of people. And Sean Connery's supposed to be Egyptian, but 
whatever, forget about that. Christopher <laughs> Lambert is like Scottish-ish, but then Clancy Brown from uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Square, and the Flash, he's on the Flash TV series as well. Yep. Is he the dad? On the Flash? On the Flash? No, no, no. John Wesley Ship, who was the original Flash, is yeah. No, no. He's he's a, a army general who's trying to. He wants to get the powers. Oh, of the he's Metahumans. General Eiling. Right, yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. With okay. his voice, it's almost always a bad guy. Yeah. And he was so good as a bad guy in Highlander. And I mean, you think about it. Let's make a movie where there are these people that can't die unless you cut off their heads with a sword the greatest concept for a movie ever and then they make a sequel and they're like you know what let's completely change the first movie and say that they're aliens from an alien planet what What? and then have some weird like environmental theme about global warming or whatever sean connery full-on dies in the first movie but then they're like well that's no good. So then they bring him back for the second movie because he's an alien and they're <laughs> sci-fi. And, oh, and then they made the third movie and they kind of like pretended that the second movie never happened. And like three movies. They made all of this stuff and they just kind of ignored. They're like, yeah, that whole alien thing. We're just not going to talk about that anymore. They tried multiple cuts of that film, right? Aren't there like three or four different cuts of Highlander 2? There's like the rogue cut. There's like, they've tried to correct it, you know, like the director tried to fix it. The studio had their version. Yeah. But it's the funny thing that, again, like, it's the exact opposite of what I said I think makes a good sequel. It's not figuring out what the, what the original, like, what made the original so special and trying to make it another thing and just kind of like hitching your wagon onto this thing and saying like, Oh, you kind of had some like following here. We're just going to steal your stories or steal your characters. Excuse me. Uh, throw them in a completely different story and use your name to sell this movie. And it's like, that's not, no, this is the wrong reason to make a sequel. And of course, if we're going to talk about worst sequels and tie in reboots, that brings me to another one, but I don't think we're going there. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes I, I think you've made your opinion known about J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. I feel like that's all off-screen, but... <laughs> Jeremy, did you have one that was a disappointment to you here? Oh, disappointing sequels. Well, we already talked about one. It was Spider-Man 3. Obviously, that was a huge disappointment. Ugh. I mentioned Iron Man's 2 and 3. If you watch them on their own merits, they're fine, but... it didn't continue what was good from the first and tried to do too much, I think. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll throw this one out, and uh, hopefully you guys have seen it. If you haven't, I, I guess it's not really a big loss. But, uh, I mean, let, let me preface this by saying, how great was Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Like th- th- Amazing. Th- yeah. Ah. yeah. I mean, is there a more whimsical, fun, just like silly film that like hits you with memorable characters and lines and scenes just nonstop Dumb and like, over and over again also. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, like, but yeah, man, agreed. Yeah, agreed. like, like Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, like the, the thing that it did was it somehow made you nostalgic for childhood while you were still a kid. Like while we were watching it, we were like, I, I, want, to, I want to be a kid forever. You know, it's, it's that kind of feeling. Um, now, yeah. in the sequel, it's called Big Top Pee-Wee. And I don't oh, know. If yeah, you, yeah it, it is. It, it is a total 180 from that film. Like all of a sudden, Pee Wee is living on a farm. 
He is like a scientist. He's got uh, this love triangle going on between uh, Penelope and Miller, who's a school teacher, and then this circus trapeze artist who is the girl from Hot Marge. Shots. <laughs> no Large Marge. That what are they doing? You know, they did not bring back Large Marge. That would have been an awesome cameo. <laughs> she should have been in the Freak Show. But, but that's the problem. Is even like the characters in the Freak Show are like. In makeup only, are they interesting and unique? Otherwise, they all just play like normal people. And, and so it's so strange. Like Benicio Del Toro is in that movie, by the way. He plays the dog face boy. And, and, and he's just like so like you wouldn't know. He's just like, oh, I'm just here. You know, there's like a little little lady who's like the size of a G.I. Joe action figure. They midge, you know, like she's the tiny woman. You're just like, okay. Like you just it, the, the main issue, aside from the fact that like this whole circus of people are not interesting, is that nobody wants to see Pee Wee Herman in love like we want to see him as a little kid like the epitome <laughs> of a six-year-old so in an adult's body and now he's like moving into puberty he's like a teenager and it's just confusing like you're just like that's not peewee like it betrays the character huh and then they throw in i don't know and again I, I don't know how many times you've watched this i've obviously watched it a lot but there's this whole other subplot of like small town politics and how all the old people in town hate anything new and they hate young people and it's just like what, what does that have to do with anything like I, what it just never pays <laughs> off and then i i think i'm seeing a trend here because in the end you end up with you know that there's there's a mud rustling scene in this one too yeah. <laughs> there's definitely a theme with you Adam. so something is going on that if you make a sequel <laughs> with mud rustling in it it's not going to be successful so i'm telling hollywood right now if you're writing a sequel leave the mud wrestling scene on the cutting room floor leave it or for the for origin my story. friend adam pope please make a movie about mud wrestling yeah just just, just yeah just send me send me that cut i'll take it but i'm just saying the don't include it in the film because it's the death knell for for what's to come <laughs> i've never seen it man i've never seen uh big top peewee so i i can't comment but yeah that first movie is i i will never forget that movie i that's one i haven't seen in a while that i would love to see again and we should totally do our own sequel for it's on its way though there's a netflix original film coming that's the right. next peewee herman movie that uh, what? Judd apatow produced it what yeah oh i'm very interested now with, uh, paul rubens yeah he's back yeah dude there's only one peewee okay? there could okay be only rubens one now? jeff is he okay now yeah he's done his time that's right is he okay now <laughs> well i mean like are we okay watching him we're just gonna be like yeah it's Pee-wee. no no he, I mean, he had the i'm Pee-wee's not gonna be thinking about that while yeah. i watch him <laughs> let it go let it go well he's also well, oh, that's okay as long as we've all let it go i just didn't know that that was the, the story yet jeff's not sure he's let it go is what i'm <laughs> saying yeah that's, that's the best yeah, thing i don't know if i can he actually uh, scored a a reoccurring role on Gotham as the Penguin's well, father, which right, is awesome. Movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Batman Returns. Just yeah. like in the movie. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Well, but awesome. he also he he dipped his toe back in the water. He had a successful run on Broadway and in Los Angeles with a Pee Wee's Playhouse stage show, and that was such yeah. a huge hit that they said, oh. "Hey, obviously the world is ready to accept Pee Wee again. They're yes. over it." So, yeah, so that kind of paved the way for this next project. Nice. And he was the spleen in, uh, in, in Mystery uh, Men. Mystery Men. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, right. Now, there we go. Speak- now, there's a sequel no one's ever asked for. Uh, right. 
But like, just go back to the Pee Wee <laughs> thing silence. real quick. Dead silence. That is, we just agree in dead silence. But like, like with Big Top Pee Wee, and we could tack this on at the end of mine if we want. But like Big Top Pee Wee, the easiest thing they could have done is just made a li- like a a big budget Pee Wee's Playhouse. It was so huge on Saturday mornings at the time. Why not just take all those characters and do this huge adventure with them on a yeah. grand scale? Or do a story about the town, you know, or something yes. like that. Well, yeah. And it's the episode about Pee Wee's <laughs> Pee Wee's <laughs> sequel. There we go. Now, what, what did about? We get, did we get a Jeremy? Did we get a, a Jeremy? Yeah, did you hate? come up with one? Um, yes. Uh, Batman Forever. Forever, oh, yeah. The Forever Bat- over Batman and Robin, or uh, just uh, tied for last. It's Tell a coin why. flip. It's a coin flip. Yeah. Bat nipples. Now, was that the first no, occurrence no. of bat nipples? Was Val Kilmer's suit? No. No. He, no yeah, Batman and Robin. Yeah. yeah. That was okay. funny. Because now here's the thing, and uh, now because now Jeremy, uh, I gather from our previous episodes, you're a pretty big. Now you're a pretty big Batman fan, not just the Nolan films. Uh yeah. Like I scored. Uh, Walmart's got a deal right now. They've got the five previous Batman films before Nolan for like ten bucks. So I picked it up the other <laughs> day. But like I've I've watched them on multiple occasions. But I mean, you, and you, you have... seem very familiar with the comic as well. Yes, yes, I've definitely delved okay. and done my research on that. Because now here's the part that always baffles me: is that I I really I like almost every other film that Joel Schumacher has done. But then I see those two movies, and I'm like, what is he thinking right now? Uh, you, agreed. Agreed. Do you have any – Do you, is it – because usually I blame it on the director, but I'm like, but I like his stuff. So what What? What happened? Yeah. I believe there was some uh, Warner Brothers intervention there. Right. It was, it was uh, all for merchandising's sake. They really had a lot of pressure that they put on him that you really need to make this – like action figure friendly, like toyetic, so we can really blitz, you know, the the marketplace. Yeah, because the the first three weren't really marketed towards kids. Like it came later, but these, like they they got Clooney involved, and I think just because he was a big named leading man, and granted, he hasn't done all that much since, really. Yeah, like you had the Oceans trilogy, but mm-hmm. not too much else from Clooney that's been good. Yeah. Now, no. In, well, in... he did what The Descendants. Didn't he win an Oscar? He was nominated. Oh, brother, of course. Oh, brother. Big. Yes, that right. one. Now, in, in defense of Batman Forever, I mean, obviously by comparison to Batman and Robin, it's fantastic. Like the only the only part of Batman Forever I don't like is. Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy, Tommy Lee Lee Jones as Two Face is terrible. That that did go over the terrible. top for me. And let me just say that the the part that is the most frustrating for me about that one is that when you go back to the Burton films, Harvey Dent was played by none other than Billy D. Williams. Right. Billy D. Williams yeah. is Two Face. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and we get that. Oh. He oh, would have been the most been... suave Two Face villain Jesus. ever. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I literally have chills right now. Um, but it's the other <laughs> thing too that's so funny that, and it's it's and again, like we've talked about before, I'm a huge big Burton fan. Um, but and that's why it was such an odd choice from. Well, I guess Nolan, you could say the same thing from Nolan's perspective too. From looking at the comic book and the cartoon and everything like that, it's such an odd choice to pick Jack Nicholson to be the Joker because he's not very joker-like when you really look at who the joker was even heath was that his name heathcliff ledger <laughs> heath ledger thank you uh even him was not very 
Joker, like, for me, who I think would have been the perfect Joker would have probably been Jim Carrey. But instead, they made him the Riddler, and he was kind of a Jokery Riddler, I thought. There was too much laughter and giggling. Well, that's how he was played on the 60s TV series also, though. Like, right. Frank Gorshin did, had yeah. his giggle that, that he had. So, I think yeah. the Riddler and the Joker have always been kind of interchangeable in people's minds, even though they're so different. But how often have you talked to somebody and they say the Riddler instead of the Joker, or vice versa? I don't know. In my in my experience, that it comes up a lot. Well, we all kind of painted them in the same light on our Dark Knight one. Like, we, were, we knew that. Everyone knew that was the sequel to make. Like, the Batman, you had the 60s... Batman stuff that was very campy and over the top and lighthearted and and then you had the darker um the Tim Burton films. Yes, the Burton, Burton. You had the darker Burton films and then you they decided to go campy and light again and yeah, over the top gadgetry and Neon lights. Yeah, everywhere. Right. Well, it, it was Batman on Broadway. That's how I see those films, especially well, the yeah. Batman and Robin. Batman, Batman on LSD. And it's the sad thing is, is that I really liked the casting of Chris O'Donnell. I thought Chris O'Donnell was a pretty good yeah. choice for uh, like a Dick Grayson, older kind of Robin, less less nerdy than uh, uh, Burt Ward on, on the <laughs> right. show. No, absolutely. He was he was a great choice. Like, And I said in that previous episode, I was a huge Robin fan, and I was excited when he came in. Like, I, I thought he really did a good job embodying the character, and especially in Batman Forever, again, in, in defense of that film, he actually has a good character arc. He wants to kill Two-Face. He wants to, you know, like, he's got that vengeance in him that he has to overcome for the sake of justice. So they're actually, I mean, it's a pretty good film. I, I caught it when, I'll just say this, I, I, I ha- got food poisoning, and, like, in the hospital while I was recovering, I Batman Forever came on, and I was just like, wow, this is so much better than I thought, even in my weakened state and being, yeah. you know, <laughs> being and feeling terrible. <laughs> and I was like, this is a, actually a pretty good movie. And Val Kilmer was not terrible. Um, yeah, you know, I think you yeah, <laughs> I might have been high on, on some type it was, of tape. Well, and it was the funny thing that I, I viewed, and I, yeah, I kind of ended up blaming most of that movie on Val Kilmer, just like I blame most of the next movie on, on uh, George Clooney. But I don't think you can fully do that. There's so much more wrong with it. But it's the funny thing where Val Kilmer was a decent Batman, but a horrible Bruce Wayne, whereas Clooney was a great Bruce Wayne, but not a Batman. He was just right. the same person twice. Well, as as we close out here, I just want to throw out, this is kind of like a, a secret third category. If you go, you know, we talked about most successful sequels. We're talking about worst sequels. I feel like there are certain franchises that have managed to redeem themselves. And um, in, my, in my thought is Jurassic Park. So obviously the first film, iconic, amazing to me, I mean, you can say what you will, but to me, it still has the best CGI of of any film I've seen. Like when I look back at it now, it still holds up well, by comparison. Yeah, well, there's a lot of practical of Yeah, I know there's yeah, stop motion and animatronics and all that, but that's what I'm saying. Like the mix of all that is amazing to me. Yeah. But now the second film, huge misstep. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is your action star. It's getting the little girl who could kick velociraptors with her, you know, her gymnastic skills. Ridiculous. Oh, but, wow. But for me, they brought it back with Jurassic Park 3. I, I, I think some people don't really? like that film. I love that film. You bring back wow. Alan Grant, 
great character. They get us in there, and you know, you I I've just felt like you know you have the parents that are trying to go rescue the kid. You have you know, and again, the kid's a little ridiculous that he was able to survive and fight off the dinosaurs yeah. with all his supplies and stuff. But like, they really do give you some great moments in that film including like the pterodactyl attack and the atrium that was in the first it was in the book i believe and they okay. they finally brought it back they you know so like to me like i felt like they they redeemed themselves and then jurassic world again that's it's not a world-class film but it's a it's a good movie like, yeah like, they did a great job film. with jurassic world i that i know a lot of people that didn't like it but i uh, i mean it <laughs> doesn't matter what they think because holy crap did that movie make money absolutely yes, uh, it did and it was and it was great. It was entertaining. It wasn't life changing, but it was. And I disagree with you, Adam. I do. I did not like the third one. Oh. Didn't like the second one. Um, the first one was amazing. And so I was skeptical about the fourth one, but they really brought it back. And I want to say another one. I haven't seen it yet, but another one that's gone on a really long time. And it sounds like they brought it back was Creed. And I haven't seen it at Rocky. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen the newest Rocky movie that's about Creed's son. But um, it's it's supposed to be really well done. And I'm not surprised because, and I haven't seen it, but Fruitvale Station um, is the the director of Creed. It was, I think it was his first major movie with uh, Michael B. Jordan. Is that the actor's name? Yes. Uh, That was their first movie together. And so when he got, the director got hired for Creed, he brought on Michael B. Jordan and I... I'm a fan of that guy. I think that actor is great. And I haven't seen Fruitvale Station, but I will really try to see it now because Creed is getting a lot of a lot of great press. And that's a that's a series that like it w- it went all over the place and people pan the crap out of that and all of a sudden one movie and boom. Right. Although I would say I don't know if that I don't know if I would count that as part of the because it's it's it seems like more of a spin off because I don't get the feeling that any, it's just Rocky is the only character in it. Um, I would kind of, for me personally, I would say that more about Rocky Balboa. Some people didn't like Rocky Balboa, but for me, what I liked about it is that what what made, and that's what, again, it'll be really interesting to see Creed where um, what made Rocky such a special film in the first place, and then they did it decently in the second one, is that Rocky was the underdog. Rocky was the guy from, you know, from the, the, the projects, so to speak, that, you know, never stood a chance. Then he goes toe to toe with the champ, just like America. Like, wow, oh, we love Rocky, everything like that. But then in the second one, he wins the belt. And then it's just like, now he's fighting Mr. T and he's the underdog because he's not ghetto enough. It's like, really? Come on. And then in the fourth one, he's fighting a Russian because he's not Russian enough. It's like, what? And it just, it's so lost. And we don't even mention the fifth one. Uh, It's just well because he was too brain damaged. (laughs) Yeah, right. But then that was the fascinating thing in the in Rocky for me in Rocky Balboa, and that's why so many people like dismissed it before even seeing it because now he's sixty years old. It's like wait a minute, a sixty year old is gonna fight this like the champ? Come on, he'll never stand a chance. I'm like that's exactly the point. That's Rocky all over again. And I thought. I thought it went really well for my for my taste. Yeah, like they, they really did bring it full circle because both like the first Rocky is not a boxing film. It's not a sports film. I mean, right. it's, it's basically a drama. Last, yeah. Like 20 minutes or whatever. Right. And same with Rocky Balboa. It's the same thing. It's more about his life and what it became and his relationship with his son and all those other things and then yeah, 
taking that chance and 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 have you know getting in shape and doing his his big fight again so but yeah I, I think that's a great example and like if i was if i was gonna pitch like i mean maybe outside of star wars like most successful series of sequels overall i would say the star trek franchise the original star trek franchise just for entertainment value like because the, the first one was not great but i feel like every movie after that really was a lot of fun and i know there's the whole like every even sequel in that series is good which i agree with because you know search for spock is not that great but but i i still feel like all of those films if you could watch all the star trek films and 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 find something to enjoy uh throughout you know you know because they they give like each one is its own it's its own style it's kind of what jeff was saying earlier it's it keeps the essence of the characters but it puts them in different situations each time and and so it really just it makes it so much more fun to continue the adventure and it's not like there's that like the first few the first three films you know there's quite a bit of continuity in there but then after that there's like oh let's just have some fun let's send them to back in time to earth you know oh let's yeah you know let's send them to the undiscovered country you know and have shapeshifters and whatever so i i just i think that is you know entertainment wise has was the most successful group of sequels i don't know how you guys feel about well, that and I, I would jump on i mean especially as the big star trek fan i, I would jump on especially when you're talking about like redeeming it's a little bit different because of the the world of Star Trek, where it was kind of, and that's the thing too, that for anybody that has never seen Star Trek, the motion picture and goes back to watch it, you're right. I mean, it's like three hours long and it's kind of very confusing, but cause that's the thing too, is that actually what that is, that was supposed to be the entire first season of Star Trek to the next, the, 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 the next TV show. And it's, it's funny too, because it was supposed to have an entirely new cast but then, then when they changed their mind, so what they did in the movie is they end up killing off the cast in the first, like, ten minutes. So they're like, oh, we run out of a science officer. Guess we gotta go to Vulcan. And so it is kind of ridiculous. But that was the first time Star Trek had been on the screen in almost 20 years. So it really didn't matter how crappy it was. It was, like, a historical sort of a thing. But when that second movie came out, like, I know from, like, blogs and, from, like, listening to... Um, different interviews and stuff like that star trek 2 is one of the it sounds crazy but it's one of the most influential science fiction movies ever made where there to this date there are still so many directors and writers that go back to that film and take inspiration from the way that they sculpted the script the way that they took a concept that was introduced in a television show and blew it up into a movie that's something that like Anytime anyone wants to do anything like that, that's what they reference to. And so, yeah, Star Trek 2, especially, to all of a sudden be like, hey, it's not just an excuse to put Star Trek on the screen. We're actually going to, you know, put up a quality product. Like, yeah, I think that's what really drew people into the movies. Yeah. Nice. All right, guys. Well, I, this this is a lot of fun. Uh, I just... I mean, there's so much we could talk about. And this literally could be, a, <laughs> this could be its own separate podcast, but... Uh, we, uh, we thank everybody for joining us, uh, and, you know, sharing with us. And by the way, we'd love to hear from you. Why not hit us up on Twitter? Just shout at us, show, show us some of your, uh, your favorite films, favorite sequels, 
things that you've really enjoyed, stuff we've missed. Give us some suggestions for future shows that we can come up with the sequel you've been waiting to see. Who knows what uh, what we might throw your way. And I, and I think, Adam, you were talking about at some point having people, because I know that Jeremy's been posting uh, uh, cover art or uh, poster art, um, having people like do their own poster art for maybe some of the sequels, like 3 Peed. I would love to see people's posters for three <laughs> feet. or just or just people writing out three peed in different ways uh get it tattooed on your arm uh, sure spell it out in coke cans whatever you're gonna do <laughs> <laughs> totally but i, I think that would be re- i would love to see different people's artwork on posters for for some of the ideas i think that'd be pretty cool yeah, and if you're and again, if you're enjoying this, uh, any any one of our episodes, go ahead and just rate the show. Give us, leave us a quick review. Five star ratings always appreciated. <laughs> if you want to give us one star, why don't you just send us an email? You guys deserve one star. <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, but yeah, head on over to iTunes and give us a review. Drop us a five star uh, rating, and we might even read your review on the show. Absolutely. We want bum, you to bum, be part bum. of this universe. I mean, th- this this is not just about us talking, but we're going to keep doing it. But, but we'd love to include you in the conversation. So just become a part of it. Just, uh, you know, hop on the crew and we're, we're uh, ready to have you on board with us. So we want to invite you to stay tuned because we do have a, another episode coming up next week. So get excited for it. And if you haven't listened to every episode yet, go back and take a listen because there is a little bit of continuity. Get get uh, on the inside track for what we're all about. And with that, till next time, Sequel Quest. Sequel Quest. Sequel Quest. Ho! We thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on SequelQuestPod are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended.